Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. Psalm 23. You ready? Here we go. This is out of the Christian Standard Bible. So it might, I, Psalm 23 is one of those passages that is so familiar. And so if you're like, that doesn't sound right. That's just the version here. But uh, here you go. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Man, probably top three most famous most quotable passages in all of Scripture. John 3.16's got to be up there just because it's shorter than this, but Psalm 23 has to be in there where we have become so familiar with this. We actually went through Psalm 23 in February, and so now we're in this summer in the Psalms, and so we're, this was one that I felt like we should revisit because it's just so good. And, and what I love is that the, the theme through all of this, there's so much, and we're not going to be able to uh, attack all six verses and dig in as much as I would like to. But the, the constant theme that runs through verses 1 through 6 is that it talks about contentment. And contentment is experiencing all of the provisions that the good shepherd has provided for us. Contentment is the theme from verse 1 to verse 6 all the way through. Contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd, shepherd has provided for us. It starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. We, we have eight kiddos. Evelyn is our youngest of eight. She was born, I don't know, a few minutes after Milo. And uh, she is by far the spunkiest and, I mean, firecracker. That is Evelyn. She has so strong-willed, and uh, it's her way. And she she's the youngest, she's the littlest, and she has to fight for everything that she gets, and she's a fighter. So it's good. But one thing about Evelyn is she's in this phase right now of she's trying to figure out, Who's the boss? You know, and it's like, if I ask her to do something, hey, babe, can you go pick up your shoes? She's like, you're not the boss. Mom's the boss. <laughs> like, that may be true. Then mom will say, hey, but, you know, Evelyn, can you go pick up your stuff from, the, from dinner? And she'll go, you're not the boss. Dad's the boss. You know, so the boss changes depending on who asks her to do things. Uh, Penny right now, they, the, the twins and then Penny share a room. And Penny has decided that she came to me yesterday. She's like, hey, I think I should be the boss of the room. I'm the oldest in there. So everyone's trying to find that pecking order. And everybody wants to be the boss. And then you get to be the boss, which I'm still not sure if it's me or Lauren. But you get to be the boss. I'm still figuring that one out too. And you're like, man, being the boss is not as fun. Like, I just want to go, you know, but, but she's in this phase of like, man, she's the littlest, she's the youngest, and she wants to be the boss. And she probably is, at least she, she bosses Milo around, and Milo allows that to happen pretty regularly. But it's, it's this idea of, you're not the boss. 
What, what's one of the earliest phrases that, that kids will learn? You, you're not the boss of me. And it starts off right here. The Lord is my shepherd. David is saying, oh, the Lord, you are my shepherd. You know, shepherd is actually another title for king. Let me turn real fast. I probably should have had it marked out. Second Samuel chapter 5. Take your time or flip with me. Don't look at me. Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 2. It says, even while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led us out of battle and brought us back. The Lord also said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be the ruler over them. Shepherd is a king. Let's go to, there's another one, uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, verse 24, just to prove that I'm not lying or making this up. I need that in my life. My servant David will be king over them, and there will be one shepherd for all of them. They will follow my ordinances and keep my statutes and obey them. You see, the, the, this idea of the Lord is my shepherd, it's saying he's the boss. We, we have this picture of Jesus as this sweet little lamb chop toting Jesus, you know. He's my shepherd. He loves me. He cares for me. And he does. But he's a mighty king. Yeah. He's the boss. David is saying, the Lord is my boss. I have what I need. Or your version will say, I shall not lack. The following five verses apply to us. But we have to start in verse 1 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. You get, you get, man, hey, he renews my life. He leads me along the paths of righteousness. Even when I go through the darkest valley, the valley of shadow of death. Yes, but it starts in verse 1 where we declare to him, where we confess and we acknowledge the Lord is my shepherd. We have this idea of Christianity. And man, America makes it seem this way. But even living in Texas, we call it like the cowboy religion. Like, hey, it's... It's just me, just me and God, you know, it's, or it's just, just me. Get out of my way. No one's going to tell me what to do. We, ha- we have to come to this part where we say, the Lord is my shepherd, where I have to go, Lord, you're the boss. I submit to you and I surrender to you. And when we do that, the blessings that flow from that, from that submitting, from that acknowledging that he is the boss is amazing. And here's the good news. He's a good shepherd. It's not just the Lord is a shepherd. He's my shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. When I say he's the boss, you might picture the mean, bad boss in your life and in your job. That's not him. He's the good shepherd. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. We can get down to verse 6 and we say only goodness and mercy or only goodness and faithful love will follow me, pursue me all the days of my life. Why? Because he is a good shepherd. We have this bad idea of bosses, but he's the boss and he's trustworthy. Submitting to him means following him wherever he leads us. To say the Lord is my shepherd means that I will follow you wherever you lead me. There there is safety in the footprints of Jesus. You, You might not know where you're going, or where he's leading you to. But if you're following in his footsteps, then you're safe. If you go hiking or, or you know, adventure, right? You, you go hiking, but the, the rule is you, you want to be right behind somebody. 
and you step right where they step. Because what, what happens is you don't know what's on the path this way or that way, if a rock is secure or not. And so when you're, when you're hiking, you want to make sure that you step right where the person in front of you stepped because you know that that step was safe and secure. This one might be, it might not be, but I know that this one right here is because he was just there. And that's what we are. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, it says, hey, I submit to you and I trust you and I'm going to walk where you tell me to walk because you're not going to send me to a place that you haven't already been. The shepherd doesn't lead from the back and pushes. The shepherd leads from the front and tells the sheep, let's go, we're going this way. I was telling a story about uh, when, when, we, when we preached this last time, uh, there, the, there, were, there was a group that was touring Israel and they, uh, the guy who had just got finished, the tour guide had just had, got finished telling them, hey, the shepherd leads from the front. And it's like almost immediately they see a guy leading sheep from the back and they're like, hey, sir, I thought you just said that they only lead from the front. And so the guy goes, okay, pause, let's go. So he went and talked to the guy. And he's like, hey, why are you doing this? And uh, the guy replied, he goes, oh, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the butcher. <laughs> and isn't that true? Because the, the butcher, the enemy, will push you into a place. But the Lord will lead you where he's already been. And so the Lord is our shepherd, a good shepherd. And then it goes into verse, at the end of that verse, it says, I have what I need or I shall not lack. The good shepherd's provisions, they comfort us, they sustain us, and they satisfy us. His provisions are good and right and perfect. It says that the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. It doesn't say that I will have exactly what Kelly Middleton will have. It says that I have what I need. I might not have what everybody else has, but I have what I need. I shall not lack. That the Lord will provide everything that I need. Where we get off on this and where we determine, hey, you know what, maybe he's not a good shepherd, is because I begin to look at what other people have and, and in verse 5, it talks about you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I begin to look at what is on other people's tables, and I begin to want what they have. Or I begin to think that he gave them more or better when, honestly, what he gave me was exactly what I need. And it might be less, but it's exactly what I need. Where we want to go, ah, he's not good is when we want to wander and we want to go to someone else's table or we want to go make our own table because we think, look, look at what he's doing. Look at what they're doing. Not, why do they get to take three vacations? Why do they get this and that? And, and then we have to turn back and look at ourselves and we have to look back at, at the table that's prepared before me. And I go, I shall not lack. It doesn't mean I'm going to have everything equal. It's not socialism. He provides for you and for your family exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. He, he supplies what you need and when you need it. You might look and go, Lord, I've got this coming up. You're looking at your table like it's not there. When you get there, he will give it to you because he's a good shepherd. He always provides. We don't get all that we want or we ask for. Have you noticed that? I'm sure you have. If you've lived one, one day as a Christian, you're like, hmm. 
thought I really wanted that. I thought I really needed that. He doesn't give us everything that we want. He gives us everything that we need. It's like, like you know, kiddos, uh, they, they never are shy on asking for things. And some of the things they ask for, it's, they're good things. But it's not for them for that time. We don't give our kids everything that they want. Not because we're horrible people. It's because we're actually good fathers, good mothers. If the Lord gave us everything all at once, we would be a room full of prodigal sons who would take all that he gave us and we'd run off and live our life on the run and doing all the things that we shouldn't do and then have to come crawling back to him. The Lord is a good shepherd. You shall not lack. Contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd has provided for us. Verse 2. He leads me, or he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. When, when, you, when you picture that, that quiet waters, that green pastures, probably some picture comes to, to your mind. For me, you know, I just sit there and I'm like, man, that, that's a great place. Green pastures, quiet waters, it's mountains, it's my family is around me. There's Dr. Pepper in my hand. There's a new pair of shoes on my feet. You're like, man, Lord, you're so good. Right? That, that's what we picture. Or that's what I picture. You picture something else. Yours might be the beach. And if it is, I'm sorry, renew your mind, right? That's not right. Should not seek those things. But like you have this idea. You're like, yes, green pastures, quiet waters, rest, renewal. I know what the, those are. But those things are false. Because as soon as that Dr. Pepper is gone, the no longer is it green pastures and quiet waters. I'm always desiring something else. It, it, as soon as the beach trip is done, then there's no more rest because it's back to the real world. We, we want these things because we, we think that that's where rest is found. Like, man, uh, just, I just want to go on a vacation. Man, if I could just go on a vacation, then I'll be rested, relaxed, and we all know that that's false, right? Because it's just, it doesn't really solve anything. It just prolongs it. Oh man, if I just had a nap, I would be so rested. Nope. You're going to need a nap either later that day. You're going to need a nap the next day, the day after that. You, you know, th those things are temporary. Man, if I, just, uh, if I just had a good food, just a good meal, no, you're going to be hungry again. If I just had, if I just made this amount of money, then man, I, I could rest, I could slow down, I... No. All of the things that the world can provide you is just a mask. It just temporarily satisfies you. But all it does is prolong your ability to actually get rest. Because as much as you seek and desire all those things, you're actually stealing time away from the Father. You're pursuing those things that don't give you rest, and it just prolongs you because then eventually you come back and go, well, all I need is Him. Rest is found in the Good Shepherd. By staying close to him. The other things will satisfy our flesh. But our souls will still long for more. The only way to satisfy the soul. Is to starve the flesh. Contentment comes from experiencing. All that our good shepherd has provided for us. Verse 3. 
He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Yours might say, he restores my soul. Man, what, what a good what a good verse. He restores my soul. I think we kind of come back to that same thought of, man, if I could just get this, if I could just do that, man, then I'll be, I'll be right. But restores my soul means to return or to turn back. The way that he restores our soul is by us coming back to him. Because only in him can our souls be restored. It's not out finding yourself. It's, it's not off doing the latest adventure. What it is, it's repenting of your sins and returning back to him. That is how our souls get restored. When we repent and return to him, he restores us back to our original design. That, that when we return back to him, every brokenness is made new. Every hurt is made right. Every wrong has been righted. Because we, we have wandered off. It's the same concept. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It's the picture of a shepherd and a sheep. And what it is is when the sheep wanders, he's lost. But when he returns and comes back, he's restored. When we wander off seeking pleasure from all those things, they're not going to satisfy us. He restores us when we come back to Him. We're made in His image, an unbroken fellowship with Him. That, that restore is that, that same word, it's that same picture of like a, restoring a car or a house. So, something that was lost and broken and not taken care of. But that when, when you take time, Effort and energy, and you restore it back to the original, the way that it used to look. Man, you're like, man, that, that's good. You, you see a car that's been restored back to the original, and you're like, man, that's, that's really nice. You know, you, you can redo a house, and, and you can take an old house and make it modern with all the things and all the open concept and the beams and all that that you're supposed to have now, and, 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 and they look great. But if you take an old house and you restore it back, to what it looked like. You're like, man, this is, this, this is what it used to look like. And what happens so many times is that we go and we get self-help and we get all these things and, and all we're doing is we're just making ourselves a better version of ourselves. We're not actually being restored. But when we return back to Him and we're made back into the image of the Father, then it's like, oh man, look at that. She's doing it. So pure, so clean. And that, that's what we're talking about. He restores our soul, that he takes us back to that original design. That all the hurts, all the pains, all the, all the things that we have, all the, the, the quick reactions because of our hurt, they're gone. All of our sarcasm is gone because we don't need to protect ourselves anymore. We don't need to try to deflect so that people don't really look at us. The, the, the way that we view ourselves and the way that, that we treat ourselves, we don't have to do that anymore because we know who we are. We, we've been restored back to our original design. The good shepherd restores us 
by placing us along the right paths. It says he renews my life. He restores my soul. He leads me along the right paths. He brings us back from our wandering and places us on the paths of righteousness. A path is a trail that has been flattened and smoothed. A path is a trail that has been flattened and smoothed. And what he does is he takes us from our wandering, he restores us, and he puts us back onto the path of righteousness, of right living, of holiness, of, of a life that's pleasing to him. And it, it, it's a path that we don't have to guess, is this the right way? Do we have to go here? Do we have to go here? It's, it's not a treasure map. It, it's, it's a path that's been flattened and smoothed been flattened and smoothed by his word. He places us on the path of righteousness and we know the way because we know his word. We know the way because we know his voice. In John, John chapter 10, he said that Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, right? that, that my sheep know my voice. They're, they're not going to run off to somebody else. They're going to only come to me. And so he restores us and he puts us back on the right path. When we are on that path and we see it with his word and with his voice, then we, then we stop wandering. We stop trying to blaze a new trail. We submit to the good shepherd. When you get back right with him and you're like, oh man, this is so good. You've been at peace with your father before and you're like, oh man, this is so good. I'm just in a good spot. Yeah, that's because you're back on that right path. We stay there by following his word by obeying his voice, by, by being led to, by the Holy Spirit. Contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd has provided for us, where we quit trying to wander off their paths of righteousness, but we stay on the path that he has before us. Verse 4, he says, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not a matter of if, but when. He doesn't say, even if I go through the darkest valley, even if I go through the valley of shadow of death. He said, even though, even when I go through there. We're not immune to it. There are darkest valleys that are up ahead. The enemy is roaring like a, roaming like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Right? Like, like there, there are dark days ahead of us. It's not a matter of if, but when. But here's the comfort. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Why? For you are with me. We take comfort in the fact that we know that even when we go through there, he will be with us. We don't take comfort in, oh, okay, he's with us, and so we're going to get through this quickly. No. You might not get through it. You don't want to hear that, do you? You might not get through it. I might not get through it. My comfort isn't that I'm going to get through it. My comfort is that he is with me. That's, that's how he ends it in verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, what, as long as I live. And it might not be pretty at the end. But I take comfort in the fact that he is with us. When bad things happen, we begin to question the goodness of God or his love for us. 
We can become discontent with Him because of our circumstances. When, when, when things happen, you're like, man, Lord, why is this happening? Like, I, it, it, it causes us, or it can cause us to question His goodness. It can cause us to question His love for us. But when we go through this, we have to take comfort that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That my, my circumstances don't determine the level of love that He has for me. When all the bills are paid, He loves you. When none of the bills are paid, He loves you just as much. When you're healthy, He loves you. When you're sick, He loves you. We don't take comfort in the fact that we're going to get through the trial. We take comfort in knowing that we don't go through that trial alone. There's a, there's a branch of Christianity that's trying to, trying to teach and, and have a theology about Man, if you just come to the Lord, everything's going to be right. It's going to be made good, and you won't ever have to worry about this stuff. And somehow they pull it off. They're, they're tricking people left and right. And I'm like, I don't know how they're doing it because it's just not right. They're, they're, hey, just everything will be fine. And when, <laughs> and when things don't go right, then they say, oh, hey, you just got to have more faith. Jesus said, take heart. Take heart. The world's going to hate you, but hey, they hated me first. Jesus promised us a life of suffering. His disciples that walked the closest with him suffered. They overcame. I mean, John, you, you read the story of John, the, the gospel of John, and, and uh, the book of Revelation. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John, I mean, he was... Stoned, but he lived. He was boiled alive, yet he lived. And I'm, I'm just like, he didn't take comfort in knowing, okay, hey, I take comfort because, man, I'm going to get through this boiling. No. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Bad things are going to happen. If I stand up here and tell you they're not, I'm a liar. We can debate all day long on why they happen. And I don't know the answer, but I can tell you that they do happen. Take comfort in knowing that He is with us. And He is with you. In the darkest valley, we will be tested. And our foundation will be tested. In times of trouble, where we run shows where our heart is. And the darkest valley, wherever you run to first, shows where your heart is. Whatever you run to first, whoever you run to first, shows where your heart is. Those times are, are times of trial and testing. It tests our foundation. The only way to know if your foundation is good is to have it tested. You can think, man, I, man me and the Lord, we're solid, we're good. You start to get a sniffle. Your kids start to get a sniffle or get bullied. You're like, Lord, where did you go? And you're like, man, that's how weak our foundations are. As soon as one trial happens, our foundation gets shaken. But we take comfort in knowing that he is with us. We have to be content with knowing that he is with us no matter what. And no matter what that looks like, I'm okay. 
He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know if you also noticed right there, but in verse 4 it kind of switched. Verses 1 through 3, it's like the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down. Verse 4, it says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. He, he changed it from, oh, the good shepherd to, hey, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Have, have you ever thought, like, man, who can eat in a time like this? You know, it's like, man, all, all the things are going on, all the hard times. And it's like the Lord says, hey, let's sit down and let's have a meal. I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The picture that comes to mind is the, the movie Titanic. You know, the, the ship is going down. And, man, the orchestra is still there just playing all the way down. And you're like, man, who, who can do that? And the more that I've walked with the Lord, the more that I've realized if he's not worried, then why am I worried? He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He's not worried, so why should I worry? It was the, the night that he was handed over to suffering and death. What did he do? He prepared a table. He sat and he ate. All the things that were about to take place, he sat and he ate with his disciples. He invites us to sit down with him. We want to go and do all the things. Sometimes we still have that mentality of that, I know that his blood paid it all, but I need to go and do these things. I know that... He did it, and it was finished, but I feel like I still have to pay for this. I feel like I still need to be punished for this. I feel like I still have to go out there. We want to go out there swinging swords like Peter. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, put it away now. Come and sit at my table. It's really hard for us to sit at a table when we feel like all these other things are going on. But all he's done is he's invited us to sit with him because the finished work is finished. There's nothing else that you have to do. He prepares a table for us to eat from, yet we want to prepare our own or go to other people's tables. It's like when you make dinner for the kiddos. And man, it's probably just our kids that have said it or done it, you know, but they're like, I don't want this. Yeah, it's probably just ours, right? No, none of y'all have ever said that. Silas, you ever said that over there, bud? Look at him. He's heads down. Like, I'm not, not going to answer to that. You know, it, it's like, I don't want this, or I don't like this. How frustrating is that? Very. How frustrating is it when the Lord prepares a table for you that has everything that you need, and all you can do is go, Man, I don't like that. I, I bet they're having something else. I, I bet they're getting something better. As you mature in your walk with him, you trust that he has the best for you. 
you learn to enjoy his provisions. You know, uh, my mom is in the nursery today, so I can, you know, my mom, I was a turd growing up. I mean, I, I probably still, y'all probably like, was, man, <laughs> shocking, breaking news. Man, I was a, I was a punk. And I just like, I just gave my mom a hard time. And so my mom just eventually was like, oh, whatever, you know, you know. But there are things now that I'm learning. Like, it's stupid. Y'all ready to hear something that's so dumb? Like, my mom just never made me, like, try any other food. And Lisa's probably going to be very upset about, you know, all the things I've never tried. Sorry, Lisa, for offending you. Uh, but, you know, it's like, man, I can remember I was, we were maybe in New York. So this was the last year. I had, like, a hot dog with, like, mustard and relish. And I was like, first time ever. Because I was just like, are you okay? Do you need something? Okay. And I ate that hot dog, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, why did no one ever tell me this? And then I'm like, oh, wait, they did. My wife has for 20 years. My mom had for 20 years before that. When you're not... Are you okay? Man, she's losing it over there. Just, you're good. But like, things become, you're like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. They become an acquired taste. Your taste change. What happens is the Lord gives you something and you're like, I don't like this. I want that instead. And you've never even tried it because you're too busy looking at what everybody else has. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are us. You are your enemy, man. Those thoughts that are running through your head, it's your enemy. The world, like, like he prepares a table for us and he says, hey, come and sit. Even in the presence of the enemies, the world is against him. And when we agree with the world, we're siding with the world and we're getting up from the table and we go, Lord, I know that you have this nice spread, but man, I want that. I want that college degree and I want the, the house and the white picket fence and the, the wife and the 2.7 kids, the American average. I want that. And he's saying, that's not what I have for you, man. Last one. It says, contentment comes from experiencing all that the good shepherd has provided for us. The last verse says, Surely goodness and faithful love or surely goodness and mercy will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. It, it's not this question. Like, like David hasn't done all of this work and then got to verse 6 and is going, Man, I hope all of this is true. And, and he's saying, he's questioning like, Man, surely, surely God, you're going to be there. Surely. It's not a question. It means certainly Nevertheless, only, truly, verily, wherefore, no doubt. No doubt, goodness and mercy. No doubt, goodness and faithful love will follow me all the days of my life. David gets through all of these things and he says, Without a doubt, only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We have to get to this point. Like There's, there's so many theologies out there, so many thoughts. Can I just break it down for you? God is good. 
Satan is bad. Right? That's where that, that saying, God is good all the time. And what? All the time, God is good. It, it, it's that simple. It really is. You, you don't have to get into all of these things. You can say, God is good. He is for me. He is not against me. God is good. Only goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall pursue me all the days of my life. He is a good shepherd. He is a good dad. He cares for his sheep. He does not neglect them. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David is saying, I will walk in his presence. I will abide where he is. That's where I will be. We talked about it last week at 15, like last week in Psalm 15. The house of the Lord. That, that David was not satisfied with just living amongst him or, and God being among him in the camp. David wanted to live beyond the veil. He wanted unbroken fellowship with the Father. And that's what he's saying right now. Only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. David is reminding himself of God's goodness and making a statement about where he wants to be. I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Psalm 23 is so familiar that we can lose the power that's in the word of God. Because we can quote it. We can quote it in probably three different versions. right? Like you've got it down. But there's a disconnect between right here your head and between your heart. Because it becomes so familiar that we lose the value that's in there. So can I encourage you today? How do we respond to Psalm 23? One, he's the boss. You don't even get to question the boss. He's the boss. Submit and surrender to him. I don't get to question him. I'm not in charge. He provides rest and restoration that is permanent. The world and the flesh will provide it temporary. He comforts us in our times of need. He prepares a table before us and he invites us to come sit down. He is good. He's better than you think he is. Contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd has promised or has provided for us. Father, we just come before you today. Your word, may it not just be in, in the Bible, but Father, may it be in our hearts. May we learn what that looks like to just read it, to soak it in, to live it out, Father. Holy Spirit, I just pray for, for us this week that you would begin to just even teach us from, from this message today. Father, we love you, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Love you guys. Go get your kids. Heaven invading this place.
I see angels.